Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Stratfor Senior Vice President for Strategic Analysis at Rain. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, Rain's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Sign up for our free Worldview newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. Welcome to Rain's Essential Geopolitics Podcast, powered by Stratfor. I'm Emily Donahue. There's been a lot of talk recently about digital currencies. Of course, China's testing what it calls the e-yuan. What is it? Here to explain how China's digital currency is working is Michael Monderer, Stratfor Senior Analyst for Global Economics at Rain. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you, Emily. Pleasure to be here, as always. Well, so let's talk a little bit about the Chinese digital currency, the e one. What should we know about it? Well, first of all, um, it's not a digital version of, or it's not an official version of Bitcoin um, or other cryptocurrencies. Um, cryptocurrencies are privately issued and they're denominated in their own units of account. Um, they don't rely on trusted intermediaries such as banks and they're fundamental, fundamentally different from other forms of digital money, and in fact may not even be money at all since they aren't reliable stores of value, which is one of the main functions of money. Um, the People's Bank of China, the central bank in China, has been trying to regulate cryptocurrencies for 2013, since 2013, but it's really been unable to do so. It, um, it loves the technology, and in fact, blockchain is a strategic technology in China's national development goals. Um, but the Chinese hate that it's uncontrolled. Um, what they want to do is separate the technology from private currencies. So they're actually actively discouraging the use of cryptocurrencies and of what are called stable coins. And because they fear losing control of the money supply and not being able to track major transactions. So as a result, China is in the process, process of introducing what it calls the EUAN, which is, a, as you said, is a digital central bank currency. So, Michael, can we backtrack a little bit? What exactly are central bank digital currencies? Well, they're basically direct liabilities of the issuing central bank, a, a, form, of, a form of digital cash. They're just like cash. They're legal tender in the country in which they're issued. Um, but rather than being being printed notes or minted coins, it's something that exists only on a computer. I, th I think we need to recognize that except for cash, most money is already, in fact, digital. So there's a lot of controversy over whether or not uh, digital central bank currencies are really necessary. Um, if you look at the U.S., for example, only 10% of the money supply in the U.S. is actually in the form of cash and coins held by the public. And the rest is reserves held by banks at the Fed, which through a process of lending and deposit creation, multiplies into the total money supply. The Bank of International Settlements, that is the sort of a, a club of central banks, considers that central bank digital currencies are really the next stage in, in the technological development of, of coinage, having the world having gone from a metal-based money to metallic-based uh, banknotes to physical fiat money, and now to a, a digitized representation of fiat money, that is money that's mandated as legal tender by the government. 
Um, but as I said, it's 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 really increasingly controversial. There there isn't any any clear need that has been demonstrated for it, especially given the state of current technology and the fact that uh, most payments are already settled in, in what's considered real time. Michael, let me ask you this. It sounds like, if that's the case, that China is ahead of everyone else, including the U.S. Why is that? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, China essentially had no financial system until the reform era started in 1978. At that time, it started to establish state-owned banks. And without apologies to Mao Zedong, the real great leap forward by China was was that it didn't have legacy pen and paper bookkeeping systems and that it was able to leap into the computer age without having to make a transition. But banks were concerned primarily with allocating credit and private technology firms were encouraged to develop capabilities for making mobile payments and there was very little regulation at the time. Now, we can debate whether China has been stealing Western technology or not, but in fact, the Chinese are, are light years ahead of everybody else in financial technology using mobile phones. I've seen estimates that 87% of Chinese consumers use mobile phone-based internet services, and that's compared to less than half the, the population in the U.S. And unlike in the U.S., where we're still debating an infrastructure package that includes enhancing digital communications, in China, there are already 1 billion internet users out of a population of 1.4 billion people, and 99% of them are using mobile phones. Plus, I, I, I need to add that a large part of the drive in China is related to state control and surveillance, and that the Chinese Communist Party is involved directly in development of this technology. Ah, I just closed my file. Shoot. So, in that case, then, why is China issuing its e one? Well, much of the propaganda and, and the official statements that we're hearing from Beijing talk about financial inclusion, providing banking services to people that don't have bank accounts, financial services to rural poor areas, and improving efficiency and fairness. But the private companies that are involved in this, that is Tencent and Alibaba, who control 94% of the mobile payments market in China, are already very efficient at it. So it has to do more with breaking up private monopolies, or a duopoly actually, and, and moving digital payments into the government, where the central bank will own and operate the system and be able to have access to digital transactions data. The private firms have resisted attempts by the government to get data or to have data turned over by them to the government, although there shouldn't be any presumption in China that the government already isn't monitoring everything on the Internet. And the government realizes that the private firms are important sources of innovation that need to be encouraged, but they're only tolerated as long as they serve the interest of the party and the state. In addition, very senior officials in China have made no secret of their intent to use technology as a supervision tool control both uh, stability and, and the economy. And China is also seeking a first mover advantage in adopting technology, while the People's Bank of China talks about cooperating with the rest of the world in, in, in issuing central bank digital currencies. Um, that's somewhat hollow because the Bank for International Settlements has a working group going on that is, that is looking at setting joint standards 
for establishing those. But China, even though it's a BIS member, isn't participating. Michael, would in any way this new form of money be a threat to the U.S. dollar? No, I, I, I don't think so, Emily, at least not for probably generations. Um, China's financial system is, is largely closed to the outside world in terms of free capital flows. You can get money into China, but it's much harder to get it out. The exchange rate is very heavily managed. The banking system is, is highly over-leveraged, and there's not full access with legally defined property rights. So it means that the Chinese currency is, is basically a transactions currency and, and doesn't perform all of the functions that an international money might have to perform. Now, as, as the economy grows and trade with China increases, of course there's going to be more use of the Chinese currency in transactions. But it still can't rival the role of the U.S., um, given the depth, size, and liquidity of U.S. financial markets. And, and frankly, the People's Bank of China is probably not prepared to play the same role that the U.S. Fed plays globally, which is providing, limit, providing unlimited international liquidity during crisis. Michael Mondor is Stratfor Senior Analyst for Global Economics at Rain, where he delivers regular intelligence updates on the geopolitics of China. Michael, thank you so much for that guidance. You're welcome, Emily. Thank you. You can get geopolitical updates from our team of expert analysts delivered straight to your inbox. Sign up today for the Worldview newsletter from Rain. Go to worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Thank you.